culture, society, on every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch. Because society is great, but it doesn't have your couch. And it's windy out. And you forgot your jacket. And oh my god, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app, or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your sassy source for lifestyle advice, wellness tips, and pop culture dish. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and holistic hustler here to help you get your shit together and laugh through all the chaos of life in your 20s. If you're not doing so already, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach for very funny Instagram stories, adorable memes, and really cute selfies. Today is a very special episode because today is our 200th episode of Hashtag No Filter. When we started the show four years ago, I had no idea we would last to 100, let alone 200. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that's listened and supported and shown love for the show. I only get more and more excited with this show every week. Um, And I'm especially excited because of today's guest. He's a very, very special person. Uh, You may recognize him as Danny Reagan on CBS's Blue Bloods. Maybe you know every step-by-step to his new Kids on the Block dance moves. Or maybe you're devouring a Wahlburger right now, because I know I'm about to. Please welcome Mr. Donnie Wahlberg. Hello, Zach. How How are you? How you doing, Mr. Wahlberg? You know, I'm really good. I'm um, halfway, probably just past halfway through the Mixtape Tour, um, which is the New Kids on the Rocks tour with Salt and Pepper and Naughty by Nature and Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. And um, it's just been going great. And um, all is well. It's a great it's show. Really I'm having a good time. I went to the, to the show at the Hollywood Bowl in L.A., and it was... It was awesome. It was a really good time. I love me some salt and pepper, so I was excited for that. And new kids. Yeah, I do too. And salt and pepper, ironically, um, well, I don't know if it's ironic, but we've been trying to work with them for a really long time, and um, we've talked on and off salt and I about you know teaming up to do a tour, and we um, we do a little piece of uh, push it during step-by-step. And, you know, I've always had this dream of morphing step-by-step into push it like happens in the show. Sorry, spoiler alert (laughs) for everyone uh, who hasn't seen it, but, um, you know, it just, I was approached about, you know, what would be our next door from our manager and, and, and promoters and, they were like, let's do this tour. No, 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 no. We're going to do a mixtape tour. We're going to mix up. And they were like, well, who, who are you going to mix up with? I was like, salt and pepper and naughty by nature and Tiffany, and we'll figure out the next one. And then we started talking and came up with Debbie Gibson. But 
they were like, well, how are you going to do it? I said, well, we're going to do step by step and it's going to turn into push it. And we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they were like, never going to work. And, uh, it worked. (laughs) And it's great. And it feels like you're in a mixtape when you're at the show. Totally. Um, you know, we've had some success, like working with all the artists. We've obviously, we toured with Paula Abdul and boys to men a few times. And, um, but we also did a really successful tour with Backstreet Boys. Mm -hmm. And in that show, nobody knew what was going to happen either. You know, I just, really wanted to team up with Backstreet Boys and do a tour. But even at the time when I proposed doing a tour with them, I didn't know that um, it would be a mashed up show. And we were asked to perform on the American Music Awards together. And I thought the best way for us to perform together would be to do a mashup. So I created a mashup um, with their music director, Kevin Antunes, um, and basically mashed up all our songs and went back and forth and back and forth. And so having had that experience with Backstreet Boys on the AMAs, we then sort of, I looked at the tour with Nuke at the Backstreet Boys the same way. I said, think of the AMAs as a dried up sponge. Now we're going to pour water on it and make it like a two hour or three hour show. And that's basically what we did. And so I felt confident that I could put all these artists on stage together creatively. Um, it took some work and some finagling, but, um, you know, a lot of people in the in the business, like music critics and and people like promoters and managers and stuff, they're just like blown away by this tour and they're surprised at you know that we would put like some acts um, who maybe are like not as famous or successful as they used to be, like in the middle of the show and not yeah. treat them like an opening act. But for me, that's really the whole point of the tour is you know. You know, Tiffany may not be as quote unquote successful as new kids right now, but I think we're alone now as an anthem. Um, you know, it's it's a timeless anthem that has probably more streams than any other song in the entire concert, you know. And um, so for me, it's like I want everyone who works with us, I, I, they're there because they're stars. Mm-hmm. Their star may not be shining quite as brightly as it once was, but to me, I just look at it as well let's polish that star up and make sure it shines as bright as it's supposed to shine again and um that's sort of the whole concept of the show is treat everyone like a superstar and remind everyone in the audience of how special these performers are and have been and uh, maybe you just might have they might not have been in the front of your mind but let's show everyone how great they are and and um you know my i think me and my bandmates treating all these artists that we work with with such respect and high regard. I think it really reminds people of how impressive they are and it's good. I mean, it's, it's, you know, Tiffany, for example, like really is a huge part of the new kids on the Block's career. I mean, she gave us one of our big breaks and, um, you know, and she was a huge star when she gave us that break. And for me, it's so fun every night to watch her look like a superstar on stage because that's, that's how I've always seen her. Yeah, and, um, and you guys really, you do a great job of really allowing each of the artists to shine without feeling like anybody's a second act at all. Like, everybody feels like they're on an equal playing field, and, you know, they they all really brought their A-game at the concert. So it's mad, mad props to you for, for organizing that. I know Lance Bass, I got to see him at the, uh, at the Hollywood Bowl show, and you mentioned... Uh, NSYNC. Do you think that there may be a NKOTB and NSYNC collaboration in the future? Well, 
I will say that um, obviously NSYNC has a say in what they're going to do. Um, I, you know, I've looked at them as, you know, obviously they're, they're the possibility of teaming up with those guys is kind of a no brainer. Um, but at the same time, it, there are elements to it that you can't just say is a no brainer. Like, you know, for a while, the thought of NSYNC touring without Justin Timberlake would have probably been scoffed at. Yeah, You know, but I think as time goes on, I've always been of the belief that as time goes on, people are going to want those songs. And eventually, if Justin doesn't get together with those guys, people are going to want those songs with or without him eventually. Yeah. You know, um, when people grow up with an act or music and stuff, they want to experience it again. And, you know, for those guys, they'll have to decide, is it time for our audience to experience us again? And if they feel like the time is now or the time is near and, you know, one of their members doesn't want to do it, it's going to be up to them to make that choice to do it without him. I just know for me on the outside, if you want my vote, it's time. Yeah. Um, the time is, is, is fast approaching. Um, you know, um, and, and I've been asked to, to work with them or try to put a tour together with them before, but I didn't think it was time. You know, I thought, mm, everyone's going to really say, where's Justin? It's not right without Justin. But I think now there's been too many opportunities for them to do things with Justin where the rest of the guys kind of got maybe the short end of the stick. Yeah. And um, I think it's I think it's time. You know, um, I think people really want to hear those songs. And I think if you put, for example, in sync on a stage in front of an arena, like last night we were in Toronto in a sold out, Scotiabank Arena, and it was a madhouse. And if InSync walked out there with four members and did, you know, five of their biggest hits, it would have the building would have crumbled to the ground with hysteria and pandemonium. So for me, um, that's really what it's about. Is just you know, is the audience ready for it? And I think the public is not only ready for it; I think they're kind of starving for it. And I may be selling their tour right now uh, without us, but for me, I don't, I don't think it's an entitlement that new kids have to do it um, to tour with them. I'd certainly be open to it and um, you know, and I'd be happy to help put it together. And um, we may or may not have had a few conversations about that, but I'm not really going to go there right now. Mm. Um, my dogs are barking because they're excited about the idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm a '90s. I'm a '90s baby, yeah. so I grew up with with NSYNC. That was my boy band, and I'm very ready for it. And I know all my friends are yeah. too. We will be right yeah, there. I get along good with Backstreet Boys. Yeah, and, and I love touring with those guys. It was really fun, but I was always a little partial to NSYNC. <laughs> All right, Johnny. <laughs> Just so a little. Every Just guest little. that comes on the show has to answer my icebreaker questions. Are you ready? I can't wait. Okay, first it. question. What's one word your mom would use to describe you? Everybody loves your mother. What? How would she describe Donnie Wahlberg today? Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's not one word to the general public, but to her it is. Pain in the ass. <laughs> Still. No, she would say I'm special. <laughs> as the good mama should. Uh, fun fact. In truth, all right, a better word is favorite. Favorite. I, I like that one I'm better. For, I'm for sure her favorite. That's how I sign my parents' birthday and Mother's Day cards is, is from their favorite, and they know who it is. 
Uh, Listen, it's not easy being the favorite. It's not. Yeah, you know, it's not. Give me All their siblings get really sensitive about it. <laughs> Give me a fun fact. What's one thing people would not expect about Donnie Wahlberg? Um, just any fact or one word fact? Any fact. Um, shoot. What's one thing people wouldn't expect about me? Um, do you have any like fun pre-show uh, oh, rituals? Jenny, Jenny just chimed in and said, you're fucking hilarious. <laughs> so I guess I'm funny. <laughs> I guess I'm funny. Um, I think people might know I'm a little bit funny. Um, I think for me that probably I was a very, very, very insecure and introverted child. Are you still that way? No, but there are times when I feel the impulse to be that way, yeah. and I have to sort of just kind of check myself and remind myself that I'm not like 11-year-old shy body anymore. Um, I'm almost 50-year-old, you know, fun and gregarious Donnie. And selling but out shows all around the country. where I could easily revert to that, that person for sure. What is your drink of choice? Well... He didn't specify it was alcohol, so I'm going to say uh, sugar-free Red Bull. Mm. But if you're talking alcohol, it fluctuates right now. It's either Blondie's with Arnold Palmer mm. or it's uh, Old Fashioned. I'm kind of into the Old Fashions right now. Old Fashions are having a comeback right now. You know, they're they're kind of – they're they're very uh, elegant drink. <laughs> elegant. They definitely so are. Okay, last icebreaker question, which is my favorite question to ask people. If you had to be reincarnated as a Kardashian, which one would it be? Wow. I'm going to go with Chris Kardashian. Chris. Because she's a boss. She is what? a boss. And she makes 10% off of all the girls. So she's she's not living the humble life. Yeah, I couldn't choose between the girls, and I'm not really Rob Kardashian. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind. I like Rob. He seems okay, but I don't know. He's got that. Uh, he does wear slip sandals with socks, which I like. Mm. It's a very LA thing because mm -hmm. your feet sweat. But uh, I'm gonna go with Chris. Chris is the one. All right, I like that answer. That's a good answer. I think Jenny picked Kylie when I asked her on the show. I think she picked Kylie because she said she was the prettiest. yeah. And she is. Yeah. I mean, and now she's I, I a billionaire. Like I like all the Kardashian girls. I'm not a, I'm not a Kardashian hater at all. Um, I really, um, I just think they're really successful and they are who they are. And I'm not into like all that like reality hate and like that Kardashian like hate. They're very popular. So I don't, I'm not saying everybody hates them, but people kind of scoff at them as like they're just famous for being famous or whatever. But I really don't care. I enjoy them, and uh, kudos to them. They're and, doing awesome shit. Yeah, they're doing something right if they're still around. Totally, and the and 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 um, um, the younger ones um, are like super successful too, and they're yeah. really they're really doing amazing things. So good for all of them. So I want to know because now you have you're on Blue Bloods. You have you know the Wahlburgers chain, which is popping up everywhere. I have two of them by me here in LA now and new kids is selling out every tour and you guys have the cruise. Did you ever envision that your career would be where it's at 
currently when you were first starting out with new kids? Wow. You know, I didn't know. Um, or like, what did there, you want to be? Know, what did you envision your career to be at that teenage self? Okay. The original, like getting together as new kids, I, I probably would describe my dream uh, as being able to afford a Honda scooter, which was really <laughs> big in the eighties um, or a, a car. Like that was my dream of being really successful and maybe like walking down the street. Like there was a scene in Rocky when he's jogging, you know, and the, yeah, the guy's yeah. like, Hey Rocco. And he goes, hey. <laughs> but uh, like that, I would walk down Dorchester Avenue where I grew up and you know, the pizza guy would say, Hey Donna, you have a slice on me. <laughs> you know, that, that was probably my dream of like fame at the time. Um, and when, new kids started to get really successful. I mean, it got so huge. It was crazy. And, and I never really thought about what it would be like when I was older, you know, um, there's this sort of thing you go through when you're that successful at an early age, where on the one hand, you don't know if you really deserve it, you know, mm -hmm. that level of success. It's really, um, it's so overwhelming. It's like, Oh my God, like, is this this is surreal i don't know that like we've done anything to earn this but at the flip side of that is there are so many people telling you that you don't deserve it yeah. that you want to fight to prove them wrong and so it's there's no real scope i think at that age i, I don't really think um people typically who are successful at that age, certainly not me are really thinking about what it's going to be like when I'm 50. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have advisors or managers or somebody will say, make sure you put money away and make sure you do this. And you know, when you get old, you got to do this. Or, you know, they try to give you advice for when you're older because they're older and they've thought about it. But, um, uh, you do, I just didn't think about it. I yeah. just thought about, you know, what am I doing on stage tonight? How am I going to keep this going? What, you know, um, how do I prove this naysayer wrong or whatever? And, and, you know, everything is very of the moment. Yeah. And you um, use that. I think to... until I became a dad and started to have kids and think about their college and stuff that I started thinking about, what am I going to do next? And yeah. when the new kid sort of roller coaster ended, it was kind of scary. There was a movie called Parenthood. And uh, it, it was a great Ron Howard film with Steve Martin and Mary Steenburgen and stuff. And um, there's a scene where the grandma talks about life is like a roller coaster. And, uh, you know, and you just, you know, you don't, you just enjoy the ride. It goes up and down and you just enjoy all the thrills and everything's part of the journey. And for me, it was like, I rode this incredible roller coaster from age 18, 19, 20, 21, and maybe 22. And then it kind of like, pulled into the station and the new kids were kind of dead for a while. And it was like, it was exhilarating and amazing. And I was like, Oh shit, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Like and what, now what? So and what got it was like you the through those? In, uh, that escaped the tank in Nemo, you know, they finally get out in their plastic bags. And they're, in the yeah, ocean yeah. and they're like, Oh, now what? So it was like, that was me. Like me and the other new kids were like the fish. And it was like, now what? And I just, I knew I wanted to act, um, I knew I wanted to continue doing music in some form and I knew I wanted to produce and do other things. I just didn't know 
how I was going to go about doing it because yeah. nobody was really interested in me anymore. Like agents and opportunities where people were saying, Hey, why don't you do movies? Now suddenly they're like, yeah, no movies for you, but uh, we like your brother with the underwear. He could do the movies <laughs> instead. You know? So it was like, I had to sort of start from scratch. And so to answer your question in a long roundabout way, in my early years, what did I think of fame? It's pretty much what I said. You know, there'd be some people in the audience instead of an empty concert, there'd be like a thousand people there and I could buy a car. But after the new kid slowed down, what I would hope would be that I could star in a hit TV series, be touring with my band and sold out arenas again. Um, you know, uh, maybe have a restaurant or two and, you know, be producing other shows and, and stuff that I liked, like Wahlburgers type shows and very scary people type shows. And that I would marry that super hot chick from singled out, uh, on MTV. So that's what I would have told you. I wanted my life to be. And that's pretty much what it is. So, I mean, knock on wood. Um, it's, I couldn't ask for things to be any better than they are right now. What got you through? So since you've had such a multifaceted career, what would you say got you through those, those like, holy shit, OMG moments of like, I don't know what my next job is going to be. I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from. How did you find the resilience to keep going through those hurdles? Um, Well, I can say, for one thing, like when I was sort of in that struggling phase of trying to get jobs and trying to make it as an author um, and still sort of keep my heart open to other possibilities, maybe music opportunities or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was really, they used to have that show that would come on like VH1, like where are they now? Yeah. And it would always be about like rock stars. Like there was a guy from, I think winger was like putting up uh the, the billboards like on Sunset Boulevard, like he was like painting the billboards or like rolling up the, the little ads on the billboards. And it was like, that's where his career turned out. And those shows were always done with such a sort of like sarcastic connotation, like or tone uh, yeah. that I was like, shit, I can't become that. Like I'm, I refuse to become one of these people. And so I would get asked to do like, where are they now or behind the music or what are you up to? And I would always say, no, no, cause I'm not, I'm, that's not who I am. That's not what I am. So I just, I realized like, rather than being afraid of becoming that, I have to be excited about what could come next. And so I, as I got more into acting and started really working on acting and trying to become a better actor, um, I, I realized I have to shift to my focus to not being afraid of, negativity and start embracing positivity and start embracing, you know, the stuff that I thought about as a 20 year old kid, when I was fearless, I had to get that fearlessness back. And, um, and so with acting, I think I started to discover that. Um, I think sixth sense was a real breakthrough role for me. And that was a really, uh, kind of, I had to be fearless with that. I had to really go all out, um, and not listen to insecurities I might have and really trust that I could do a great job in that movie and go full steam um, into it. Because, you know, what I ended up doing was like losing 41 pounds for like one scene in a movie. And um, and it wasn't just about the weight loss. Like I did a lot of really like intense acting work and stuff to get ready for that. And 
if I was fearful and insecure and had self-doubt, I wouldn't have committed to that movie. But I, so I went the other way and I just was fearless. And it turned out to be a, a game changer for me. And when I started to indulge the fearlessness, um, you know, it, it stopped being about, you know, I'm not going to be on where are they now? It started being about, you know, I'm going to do something really great now. And, and I can do whatever I put my heart to and my, my mind to, I just have to commit to it and not think about failure, only think about success. Absolutely. And um, slowly but surely, you know, and there were a lot of tricky moments. Like after I did the Sixth Sense, I did Band of Brothers and I started to have all this acting success. And then I told my agents in Hollywood, I was going to get my band back together. And they're like, no, <laughs> you worked so hard to get respect as an actor. And now you're going to go in a boy band again. And it's going to get weird. And I was like, nope. I'm doing it. I think it'll make everything better. And I just, I didn't doubt it. I had no fear and I just committed to it. And, um, it, they've all fed each other. My music career now feeds my acting career, my acting career feeds my music career. And it's just sort of snowballing into, um, a bigger and better career for me. I love that. So we've seen that Donnie loves Jenny and Wahlburgers have both come to an end. Is there any chance we may see you back on reality TV in the future? Maybe on the mass singer. Um, I don't know that I would do the mass singer. Um, only because I think that ship has probably sailed. Although, because everyone thought I was the rabbit, right? So if it would be kind of obvious if I appeared on there now, but then again, maybe it would be so obvious that no one would actually suspect it. So mm-hmm. maybe season three could be for me. Um, I would totally do the show. I love it. Um, I was very supportive of Jenny doing it. I thought it would be a big hit. And, um, you know, I- I'm really proud of her and happy that it was. Because, that, that, you know, a lot of people sort of scoffed at that show at first and um, didn't think it was a great idea. And, and it blew um, up. She put herself out there and did it, and I was really proud of her. Um, I'm so proud of her, and I can't wait for the next season. But here's the thing. I love nothing more on earth than being with my wife. Like, we're just kind of inseparable, and anything I can do with her work-wise, I love it. Um, We we did a lot of – we've learned a lot about each other, like from doing Donnie Loves Jenny – and Wahlburgers um, and the different shows we produce, we really have, we understand how we both like to work. We understand each other's sensibilities and timing better. And um, I think, you know, will I do a reality show again? I'd certainly be open to it. Would I do Mass Singer? Uh, as I said, I'd do anything with Jenny possible. And I certainly think there's more for her and I to do, you know, as Blue Bloods, like, sort of eventually it's going to come to an end. I don't know when, um, but as, as things sort of uh, transition for me, like m- my goal is to develop stuff with Jenny and um, do stuff with her and our production company. So whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, we produce a show together that I star in or we produce a show together for both of us. Um, I just like doing stuff with her. So um, it, it, and no matter what it is, it'll be, a team discussion. You know, we really bounce everything off each other and um, make these decisions as a team. Because um, we're committed to our marriage and our kids above all else. And um, that 
doesn't mean we don't love our careers. Like I, I'm a new kid through and through. Like my block hook, my block the worry. Like I'm, you know, that band was a huge part of who I am. It's it's really given me so much in my life. They're a huge part of my life. Um, they're yeah. more like family and friends, but um, but everything has to be sort of decided on family now. And that's that's the way we operate. That's the way we have a successful management by putting you know family first. I love that. And so to close out our convo, I want to take a couple of questions um, that listeners sent in, and one of them was how you keep your marriage hot despite the fact that you guys are both always traveling and working. Well, keeping the marriage hot when we're traveling and working, that can be helpful, um, you know, because we, you know, sometimes distance, they say distance makes the heart grow fonder. Um, I don't I don't think we subscribe to that fully. Um, but, you know, if we're away for a few days, we're definitely going to be, you know, really anxious to see each other and, you know, wanting for each other. Um, but I think for us, you know, we've learned throughout life and through past relationships, you know, um, the what not to do's. So now we're really into discovering what to do, um, to make things work. So for example, in the past, you know, I might've been in relationships where like we, I would have break up to make up relationships, you know, where you're constantly fighting and then you make up and it's all hot and heavy and blah, blah, blah. And then all the problems that you didn't fix because you had makeup sex are just there. Um, we don't do any of that stuff. We don't do makeup sex. If we have a disagreement, we talk and work through it and kibosh the problem and learn from it and grow from it before we get intimate again. That usually might be 24 hours, but we, we have a pact, like no unhealthy toxic behavior in our relationship. And what we're discovering, Zach, is that the more we avoid like past toxic behaviors and the more we work on the relationship and, and treat the relationship with love and respect and put it first, the more levels of intimacy we discover, you know, um, it's really, um, it's fascinating. You know, um, a lot of people think when you settle down and get married, it's going to get boring and it's going to get all the stuff. It only is if you let it become boring. Yeah. But different people can do different things to keep their relationship hot and heavy. They can, they could, some people are swingers and some people add fun toys and different things to their relationship or, or try role playing or whatever. People do all types of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, for us, we work, we will, we do spiritual work. We listen to like our gurus, which might be Eckhart Tolle or um, Byron Katie or whomever. Like we do all this different work on the relationship. And the more we give and the more vulnerabilities we show each other, and the more we tear down the walls between us, the more um, heightened levels of intimacy we discover. And um, it's really special and for some people, it may sound weird and cryptic, and for some, it may be scary to like let all those guards down. But the more we bear our souls to each other personally and connect on a deeper level, the more and more intimate and hot and heavy we get. I love that. Um, Alabama... And most people think when you do that, it gets boring, like you're not yeah. going to want to be intimate anymore, but it's not true. The opposite occurs. The deeper levels of love occur, and, and sex and intimacy become even more 
heightened and passionate and, and intense without all the drama and the bullshit. Yeah, and you grow together. Totally. Alabama Shell wants to know, do you like brownies or cookies better? Chocolate cookies for sure. I like it. I love, I, and if I love, I'm being real honest, I like a little, I like walnuts and chocolate chip. Me too. Oh my God. I love walnuts and cookies. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Peroni Fur Beth wants to know, do you put your right leg or your left leg in your pants first? I had to think about this one when I first got it. Only girl Beth, by the way, I know her. Her her nickname is Fucker. (laughs) She's she she's she. I think she called me Fucker once. Oh. Um, And so now we just call each other that. But it's a term of endearment. Um, I'm pretty sure I put my right leg in first. Yeah, because I broke my right leg twice, and so my left leg is a little more sturdy and stable. So I I put that right. I put the right leg in first. So I don't fall and lose my balance and break my leg again. Rachel Jordan wants to know if you have a favorite tour. Favorite tour. It's it's really hard to say. They're all really special in their own way. Um, I think in many ways, um, the reunion tour in 08 was really special. Yeah. Um, that will always sort of have a... Um, special place in my memory um, and specifically like the Boston Garden show was great and the Madison Square Garden show was great but I think the first reunion show in Toronto um, at the um, it, now it's Scotiabank but it used to be the Air Canada Centre I think um, that there will be something about that show that will always um, just it's so emotional I mean it's just so profound and I, I think um, for all the fans to see us back together that that first tour i think there's that will always hold a special place in my heart but the the mixtape tour is definitely uh challenging for the title for sure <laughs> okay last two questions um a lot of people want to know if you'll ever write a book is there a future book in the works i think definitely uh i may have actually already written uh a good portion of the book. Um, but I just, I, I write a lot, you know, I'll get thoughts and, and, and different things. And I write a lot. I've always done that. Um, really since I started touring, I would always just write things down and write thoughts down and, 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 and journal a little bit, but more like just thoughts about things, discoveries, realizations, um, you know, um, sort of I would look at the world and politics and different things and write about that stuff. But um, I think I definitely would write a book. I don't know that would be salacious and scandalous, um, but I'm married to a New York Times bestselling <laughs> author who tells me that I'm an amazing writer yes. and that I should definitely write a book. So I don't know that even if I like, because a lot of times I write, like if you look at my notepad and my iPhone, there's like thousands of things and like, like there's the probably three books in there already, but, um, you know, I, a lot of times write this stuff and just, I write it for sort of a therapeutic process. I write it and then I put it in my phone and I just leave it there. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to leave that stuff there too much longer without Jenny saying, okay, it's time for you to release book one and then two, and then this other stuff will make book three. So we'll see what happens. I love it. I am looking forward to a book. Thank you so much, Donnie, for calling in and for celebrating my 200th show with me. Um, 
so proud of you, Zach. And I mean, it, listen, it's no small feat to do 200 of anything, <laughs> 200 push-ups, 200 days of school, 200 days on job. Um, but to do something like what you're doing um, for Turner shows, it's hats off to you. It's, it's no, um, it really, I mean, I'm just, I, I couldn't believe it. When Jenny told me it was your turn show, I was a honored that you thought of me to do it and be just blown away. I mean, that, that is no joke. Thank so you. really, really proud of you. Thanks. Congratulations. I'm so honored to have you on and, and to celebrate this with you. I know Jenny did my 100th show. You got to do 200 and who knows? We'll see what happens. I think 300 is in well, the future. Maybe. Yeah, me and Jenny can both do 300. <laughs> Thank you so much, Johnny, for, for calling in. Thanks, Zach. You're the best. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. Thank you for tuning in for 200 episodes. This was so special. I know I could have chatted with Donnie for another two hours. Thank you guys for sending in questions and for supporting Hashtag No Filter. Don't forget to listen to us every Monday and every Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all the places. And follow me at Just Plain Zach. You can follow Donnie at Donnie Wahlberg. And you can get tickets to the mixtape tour right now with New Kids on the Block. And you can also catch... CBS's Blue Bloods. I think I'm going to go grab myself a Wahlburger right now because I'm a little hungry and I need a good gluten-free Wahlburger in my mouth right now. That sounds delicious. Again, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to follow me at Just Plain Zach and I will talk to you guys next time. Bye. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 